Are you trying to start a podcast but are struggling with the process? Well, you're in the right place now. Contact one of us at Across the Board Sports and we can help you get started through Anchor. We're looking for more podcasters and the best place to do your show is on Anchor. It is the easiest way to distribute your podcast on all major platforms and it's the most user-friendly website. Contact us and let's begin. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, ladies and gentlemen, good morning and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. As always, I'm your host, Zach West, giving you the latest scoop from Cavaliers Kingdom. And here, lucky to be joined by Cleveland superfan, the Bowling Green A of the founder of ATB Sports, Chandler Adams. My man, how's it going on this Tuesday morning in Ohio? I'm doing great, Zach. Uh... Got home from work late last night working some high school basketball. It was an awesome atmosphere to be a part of. And, you know, there's a lot of controversy going on with what the Ohio governor is doing with letting people go to games and stuff. But for me, being selfish, not having to corral so many people is a little exciting. But I do feel for those kids that, you know, aren't getting to play at the biggest stage with the fans. But other than that, little rant, I'm doing great. <laughs> that's good that's right the mac tournament one of several that will be played without fans obviously the Cavs don't have a home game until march 24th so things might be sorted by then but yes the mac tournament one of a few the ivy league canceling their tournament but nevertheless good to see our man ca still able to work basketball so Chandler, before we dive into the Cavs, obviously i'm lucky enough to be here because you gave me the opportunity to speak and have the Cavs platform. So how did ATB originally start and how excited have you been with where it's at right now? I am beyond excited how it's going. It's, as you know, it's growing slowly, but it's fun doing it and it is showing signs of growth, which is really all that I care about. Um, Yeah. I'm definitely not in it for the money. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. All, All about the platform. I uh, I started this, I was just sitting in my room uh, in about October, uh, texting Eric Giesler, actually. He's a part of Across the Board. And I was, I'm just so tired of the clickbait, um, hot takes, people not really seeming like they know what they're talking about, but talking about the teams I love. And I was like, let's start something. Let's start something. Let's start a website. And then from the website came this podcast network and – that's really all it's about is fans not be, becoming more knowledgeable about their team and spreading that word to the other fans so you don't have these big talking heads just making making stuff up and trying to get clicks. So that's really what Across the Board is about, just real news by real fans. I like that a lot. I'm glad to be I've been covering the Cavs. Obviously a lot more fun tweeting from a Cavs platform than a neutral <laughs> platform, and uh, nevertheless, we dive in, and we're going to put last night's game aside, Chandler. We'll start off with the hot streak coming into last night, obviously, uh, for the Cavs, who have only won 19 games on the season. Laughable as it might be, a two-game winning streak is fantastic, and for us, that's considered a long streak, so they had the wins. It was a long weekend against Denver and San Antonio, and even in the previous four games, they were in it against New Orleans, Indy, Utah, and Boston until the end. So what did you like from the two wins against San Antonio and Denver? 
Man, the Denver game is one that what is what improving teams need to take advantage of. The Cavs obviously need to stay in contention for that top pick. But when you have a a very good Denver team on a skid, they were playing bad. They had lost three of five, I believe. Yep. They're coming into Cleveland. The stadium's packed. Uh, it's that's a that's a on a Saturday night. It's a game you have to win. You have to keep fans engaged. Uh, you know, people are coming to see Jokic. People are coming to see Jamal Murray. But then, you know. Kevin Love putting that game away in the fourth quarter. It goes to show you that, you know, I think he's gets a lot of hate because of his contract, which is fair. He's paid a lot. Yep. But Kevin Love can put games away still. And that was really nice to see. And then obviously your man, Matthew Delvadova. Yes. Passing the rock. Oh my gosh. It's so fun to watch him play defense. It's like, it, it, I don't know. He There's not a defender like him in the NBA. He might not be the most athletic, the quickest, or uh, definitely not the strongest with his size, but he works so damn hard and it's always fighting for positioning. You know, there were times where he got switched on Jokic and I thought this is a matchup nightmare. And he was just annoying enough to make Jokic pass the ball. And I thought, yep. I thought that's what, you know, it was nice to see a win when Sexton didn't have to score 30 plus points like it has been in the past. Oh, absolutely. You know, I've been a Delhi fan since 2014. I have a Cavs jersey. I have his Bucks jersey. I have the Delhi one sneaker, which is almost, <laughs> almost worn now, but still proud owner of them. And he, he's been great. I mean, the back-to-back double-digit assist games, and I, I've kept track of his double-double log. And I think he had one for the Cavs last year, and you have to go back to the end of his second season when he was playing 35 minutes while Kyrie was out and he had uh, back-to-back double-doubles. I think he's only had five in his career. Nevertheless, great to see that. And I love his defense. And obviously, he's no Tony Allen, who is 6'4", locking down 6'11", KD. He's no Pat Bev, who has his moments. So we're not going to call him a bad defender. This isn't about Pat Bev, but he's still a fantastic defender. But, you know, he's in a league of his own. He said it. Taking the, he blocked Daniel Gafford last night. He came up with a ton of other big plays. But for me, Chandler, it's the one play that to take away from the Denver game. I remember uh, watching the Cavs against Denver in mid-January. The, the two games are actually identical, if you remember. The Cavs were up for most of it. Denver takes a quick lead, and it's a jump shot from the right corner. Remember, it was Jetty with the three last time. Yeah. It was Kevin Love with the long two. I think the corner, that right corner, is the spot for Peeding Denver from now on every time we ever play them. Yeah, I it is. And it's it is so it's very cool to see the Cavs, you know, beat Denver a second time. It's I don't know if it's a matchup nightmare. I don't know if someone on Denver pissed someone off on the Cavs, but they play hard, they play well. It it was fun to see. And then not as fun, you know, yeah, we go to the Bulls game from last night. Obviously, both teams are shorthanded. Chicago, no Cornette, no Levine, no Archie Diacono, no Dunn. Really nobody except for Kobe White and somehow uh, semi-productive, not getting enough minutes, Denzel, Valentine, Otto Porter. But you look at the game and, ooh, that, well, Chandler, that game was not fun to watch. That really was not. It was ugly. I watched – 
So I got home from work at about midnight and I watched the end of the Lakers game. And then I went back and I watched the, uh, I recorded the Cavs game. So I watched it with no commercials. Yep. And it was ugly. It was just not pretty. You know, it's a game that too many turnovers against a Chicago team that you should have beat. And honestly, I'm looking at the schedule right now. If they beat Chicago, they had a chance to go on a five-game winning streak, you know, playing in Charlotte on Friday, playing Trey Young in Atlanta on Saturday, who, you know, Trey Young versus Colin Sexton, two completely opposite players, is going to be really fun to watch. You're seeing two of the best young guards in basketball outside of, obviously, Morant and Doncic, if – He's not even a guard anymore. They're playing him a point forward. But yeah, look at the power forward. Yeah. It, I mean, even uh, Devontae Graham on Friday, it's going to be a fun little stretch here. And then they go to Houston, and that's going to be interesting to see if Drummond and Love can just dominate in that small ball game. I mean, that's going to be really interesting to see what they do there. Definitely curious about that one. And if Tristan isn't healthy by that point, I would not be that shocked if for the first time since four years ago, with the one-year failed experiment of Ke- three years ago, Kevin Love at center may resurface and crunch mm-hmm. Ash. Yeah, probably Larry Nance at center. Nevertheless, I'm very excited about this stretch. Well, the Cavs have 17 games left, only five at home. It's going to be road heavy the rest of the way. My takeaways from last night, it wasn't until Delhi hit back-to-back threes in, in the between the – about four minutes left in the game last night that they had they showed any fight. Then Kevin Love hit that three. And they just didn't they really couldn't box out Shaquille Harrison. No disrespect, but that man should not be the one beating you in a late game situation. That's why he's in the league right now. And I'm not sure Jim Boylan is really sure of his rotation, but Shaquille Harrison played the game. Two point deficit. You cut the gap down completely. You got a six three guard. And I've called a lot of D3 basketball. And this is kind of what Shaquille Harrison looks like, a 6'3", 6'4", guy that <laughs> all over the court. He had 10 rebounds and three blocks. You don't see that from 6'3", guys in the NBA. I mean, that, that's why they lost, Chandler. And I'm sure you agree. you got to box out the guard. No one was there. Yeah. not My biggest pet peeve when watching basketball is just box out. It is the simplest thing to do. Put a body on someone. It – it just just put a body on someone box out. It's just, it's so easy. I agree with you. I was getting so frustrated. That's my absolute biggest pet peeve in basketball. And I was watching Andre Drummond yesterday, and I think his stat line is a complete abomination. Twenty one points, seven rebounds, two steals, a block. I really thought he was lazy on both ends, and sometimes it's I'm okay with him handling the ball, but I mean the six turnovers, he had nothing going. Wendell Carter was destroying him inside, and then Gafford was as well. I, I'm really not sure where Drummond was. I think he thought he was playing in the backyard, just working on new moves. It was terrible yesterday. Yeah, I think especially, you know, Drummond is very – I don't want to say skilled. Drummond can handle the ball well for his size and the type of player he is. You don't see that very often, but you're coming off – you know, that's your second game back, and you missed three games in that stretch. You're playing against a scrappy team. You play the Cavs, you play the Bulls, you play these teams that are bad. They're, you know, they'll be, they're going to smack your arms. They're going to 
her, try to harass you when they can. And that's just the kind of game you got to be more secure about it. Give it to your guards. Just get back into the flow of basketball. If Drummond would just let the guards handle the ball, run a nice pick and roll, rim run, that get boards. That's what's going to make him an all NBA type player again. And no doubt, and obviously the Cavs are shorthanded, and no knock on McKinney, had not his best game yesterday. It was a minus 14 net rating. You had Jetty 4 of 16. It's happy to see Matt Mooney play, but they were so shorthanded he had to. I thought originally he was only getting the minutes because he's from Chicago. They're playing there, but they they only had nine players available with Tristan not even with the team. And Zizic, he, I don't think he's playable in a game like that unless you're playing a team with a – was a lesser big man. He hasn't shown a consistency. So we're looking. Osmond, 4 of 16. Kevin Love, 5 of 16. Drummond, 8 of 14. I would have liked seeing Larry Nance shoot it more. And from what I gathered from John Michael and AC last night, it seems that Drummond wants Larry to shoot more threes. He made both of his attempts. But Chandler, he's playing 32 minutes. He's playing all over. I want to see more than six shot attempts so that we're not, not just force-feeding Love, Sexton, and Osmond the whole game. Yeah, Larry Nance is one of my favorite players on the the Cavs. He, you know, I slightly talked about it on my podcast a few weeks ago. That lineup, the opposite of the Warriors' death lineup, when they were playing three big men, you know, in the win against Miami, and then I think they did it again in Philadelphia. Yep. Um, Larry Nance, if he can – I don't think he ever has a, a role as a real three man, but if they can work on that grouping this off season and Nance can go in there and they can play three big guys at once, you know, just for little stretches at a time to play games like Houston and whatnot, where you can't guard them inside. I think that can be really effective. I people are so focused on the three ball nowadays, but um, Van Gundy says it all the time. The most, the two most efficient shots in basketball are the layup and the free throw. So if you can play inside out, especially on a team like the Cavs, who do not have elite shooters, when Dylan Windler comes back, we'll see if they finally get one. But the Cavs yeah. don't have a knockdown shooter outside of Kevin Love. Play inside out, get to the free throw line, get some layups. I think on a team where you don't have – um, you know, a dominant wingman that can go take over the game, play inside out, play big. Everyone's playing small. It kind of do what the Ravens did this year in football. Everyone's passing, so run the ball. I, I think that's what they need to do, you know, until they get that player that can take over the game from the wing. Yeah, I like, I like that point a lot, Chandler. And I think about Drummond's backup in Detroit two years ago. Eric Moreland is a prime example of a similar of something similar, he kind of plays high post and three-point line. He's a big man that's playing up top. You run through him. He's making bounce passes to cutters. He's getting guys behind him with screens. It's what the Bulls did with Noah. It's what the Grizzlies used to do with Gasol when they'd average four or five assists. And Drummond, even for a year or two in Detroit, was doing that. And we'll see if that works. And Chandler, that's going to take us to our next point about Andre Drummond, and obviously he's a free agent. They had to give up John Henson and Brandon Knight, both starting for Detroit. Happy to see that. As long as they're both staying healthy, they both had injury scares recently. And where do you believe? Is Drummond definitively going to re-sign here as a starting center, or do you have maybe some qualms about why he shouldn't? So, personally, 
I think the best move would be to sign Drummond uh, unless Altman and this front office are huge fans of James Wiseman. I don't think there is a center in this draft outside of Wiseman who can come in and instantly change your team. Now, Drummond has a lot of bad qualities. Uh, you know, he can't shoot. He tries to, he, he can't, he really can't score on the block either. He's more yeah. of a rim running, rebounding, pick and roll guy. But I think if he can, if they can get him, if Bickerstaff can get him to buy in to a pick and roll heavy offense, you know, especially if love's in the game, have love in the corner, let him run the pick and roll with Garland and Sexton. That could be so good for this young, the young core to be able to get easy baskets, easy passes. And if this were a city other than Cleveland, I would say probably don't sign him because we could go elsewhere with that max. But Cleveland's not going to get a star anytime soon. Drummond is as close to a star as Cleveland's going to get outside of love and free agency, in my opinion. Yep. And so I, I am really on board with signing Drummond back, going after – I've. Yeah, I've been preaching this on Twitter, LaMelo ball in the draft, which is very controversial, but at one, it sells tickets. And two, he's a heck of a basketball player. And what position would you put LaMelo ball at with the Cavs? So I would, and I've seen, I've seen your tweets um, about Colin Sexton, but hear me out. This is what I would do looking at the history of players that Colin reminds me of. He reminds me of, um, you know, just the easy one, Lou Williams. Yep. You know, Colin, Colin's not in the game to get others involved off of, you know, crazy dishes or uh, it, really passing the ball. His vision's not his best trait. His, his best trait is driving to the hoop. I don't ever, I've never seen a player that size be able to drive uh, at that efficiency at that age. I mean, it's just – it's a, so impressive what he does. So I think what I would do – and this is just spitballing as Kobe Altman. If I draft LaMelo Ball, I play Darius Garland and um, Ball at the one and two, you know, don't have a set position. Let them both just play make. Start Kevin Porter at the three, okay. Love and Drummond at four and five. But then Sexton would probably close the games in some capacity. I still don't know the lineup that they would have out there, whether you have Ball, Porter, Sexton and Garland and then Drummond, that's doable in today's NBA. But I think Sexton coming off the bench, still getting 30 minutes a game, uh, 35 minutes maybe. But I think Sexton's best avenue would be coming off the bench, leading that second unit where he doesn't have to worry at all about getting others involved, just scoring, because that's his best attribute. Yeah, I actually I respect that take. And if the Cavs draft a mellow ball, be as excited as anybody, like I was when we got Colin. But I actually totally disagree with that and with a lot of other people I've seen takes from. Colin's not the only guy that's just out there getting buckets and not coming up with assists. I mean, Colin is basically uh, maybe a different volume version of what we saw from O.J. Mayo in Memphis. I mean, obviously, Colin's a combo guard. But, I mean, there was never talk. I mean, O.J. did eventually come off the bench. That was because of some off-court issues. Anyway, point is – you have a Colin Sexton that can score 20-plus a game. I don't think you want to be moving that to the bench definitively. I think you should be moving Garland to the bench. Obviously, it's gonna it might hurt his confidence a little bit, but you watch the two of them. I watched Garland 
a lot of the time he might hesitate. I mean, in most cases, Beeline was pulling him after four minutes every game and putting him back in with the second unit, whatever. But I'd rather see him come off the bench and do what you think Collins should be doing. And he's a good passer, but I think Collins evolved enough where he can actually be the facilitator and the scorer at a high volume where he has the ball all the time. I'd rather see Garland off the bench with, depending on what they do, a veteran starting point guard. I always doesn't have to be Delhi, who I do hope comes back, even if he's only playing 15, 20 minutes a game. But I want someone else with Sexton that might be a better defender than Garland. So I think Garland can bring some nice juice off the bench like Monte Morris does for Denver, personally. Okay, I respect that. I just, I guess I'm looking more future, and I think Garland's ceiling is higher than Sexton's. But I, oh, I absolutely love Sexton. I don't know about that one. I understand it. I know Garland only played five games at Vandy, but that, that's we'll have to see. Only the future can tell. We just we just we're just giving our two <laughs> Oh, Gar! I, my reasoning is if you if you like Garland's comp, this is not who he has the ceiling of, but he plays a lot like Steph Curry, Damian Lillard. He hasn't had that confidence in the NBA. I don't know where it's. I don't know what happened to him. But you watch his five games at Vandy and his ability to create separation and get a three. Um, his his dribbling is otherworldly, be able to split defenders, make nice passes. But I'm not going to disagree with you. In the NBA, that's been non-existent. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know where it went. Yep. But nonetheless, if in my scenario, if I'm moving Sexton to the bench, he's not a bench player. He's, you know, Manu Ginobili. He's yeah. still one of the stars of the team, just coming off the bench to give that juice. But – Hell, if Sexton stays in the lineup, I will not complain at all. I I love Sexton. I love the energy. And then closing uh, this part out, my take on Drummond, then we will move on to talking about the coaching disparity between Beeline and Bickerstaff. I think there's days I hope he comes back. There's days I hope he goes. But, you know, all in all, I do enjoy what I'm seeing with him. I mean, he finally got a big man playing center. Haven't had that since Mozgov. He got a (laughs) – yep. You got a guy that's a solid passer for a big man actually running at the center spot. You got a guy with somewhat of a handle. So in an emergency situation, he can still get the ball over the timeline. Tristan likes to jack 30-foot shots when he does that in the game against Philly. Uh, you know, showing <laughs> off showing off for the, uh, for the fans. But anyway, I do hope he comes back. I'd honestly like a two- or three-year max deal. Just pay him off for a few years. Don't – lock him into a five i don't know if he'll agree to that but maybe do that and see how next year goes and if it doesn't work then maybe in the, the following draft depending on your record you have a lot of picks you could turn into a higher one do that but i do hope he comes back he and kevin love share an agent love to see kevin back and if he's not i'd hope larry's starting to begin the year and whoever they draft with the big man maybe can move into the starting role. but from that note we move on to the coaching and the new JB, uh, John Bickerstaff, not John Beeline, celebrating his 41st birthday yesterday, Chandler. And he signed that long-term extension, which does not necessarily guarantee security, as we've seen from Cavs coaches in the past. It just means we know who the coach is going to be next season. And I think we got a good one. Yeah, I agree. I So, I won't lie. Uh, after the first week where, you know, they were playing well, the Miami-Philly game, obviously. I said to – I was saying to people, you know, don't sign him. Don't 
don't jump the gun. You know, this is just inspirational basketball. They obviously did not respond to beeline, but then it just every, the way they played, um, you know, the Pacers, uh, much better team than the Cavs. Yep. And they were just there fighting neck and neck. And the way they're just being much more efficient, he's spacing the floor out better for Colin Sexton. I think I've noticed that like the, the way he's opening up the floor for Sexton with different lineups and the way he's allowing Matthew Del Vadova to go play, uh, getting, I think Del Vadova, you know, when Kevin Porter comes back, that could be really helpful for KP, like letting Del Vadova get in there, find him, let him, you know, let Delhi handle the offense. Yep. Don't let make KPJ handle it at such a young age, not playing a lot of college ball like Garland. And then on top of that, you know, not forcing players to do something they're uncomfortable with, but also pushing a different narrative. And what I mean by that is he's not making players do something they don't want, but he's also doing something so just, it's so backwards and playing Nance at the three. It was so strange. People, you know, uh, Austin Carr, that first time they did it against Miami, he said something about how, you know, it was just different. And then I think that was the game that, Brad Daughtry was on. Yep. I cannot remember. Brad Daugherty, I and he believe, was on for that game. He was loving it. You know, he was saying the same thing I did. Put three big guys in there, play from the inside out, you know, get in the paint. And I think the way he's he, – he knows this personnel so well and they're gravitating towards him. Everything's adding up to signing him for a multi-year extension. Like you said, it doesn't mean he has to be the coach, but we at least have him secured if that's the way they want to go. It's a, I think it's an absolutely great decision by Kobe Altman. It's nice to see a coach that, that has the support of his players actually locked up. I mean, last season was just a mess. Ty Lue literally put JR and Corver in the lineup, I guess, despite – telling them they wouldn't play. So on opening night, they weren't supposed to be in the lineup and they were both getting 20 minutes. No complaints from me. I like both. But uh, then Larry Drew comes in. So can you give me a long-term extension? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he coaches 76 games without long-term security. He clearly didn't want to be there. And apparently he had the similar thing to Beeline where he almost walked away at the, the deadline, I don't know who would have coached. Maybe Antonio Lang is the first coach that comes to mind, who I believe is the new associate head coach, former Cavalier back in the day who got cut 21 years ago. But anyway, I really like JB, and I was one of those guys coming in. And it's funny, actually. I'll start with this. The number 10, Chandler, the number 10 is significant to me because his first ever head coaching job in Houston, John, uh, Kevin McHale got fired 10 games into the season. And huh. that's right. And then we fast forward a couple of years this year, a few years. And after 10 games, they say, let's keep you around. Here's this extension. So number 10 is <laughs> yeah, number 10 is the number for JB Bickerstaff. You know, five wins in those 10 games. Obviously a different situation over there with Harden and Dwight. He had to win now. Obviously you want to see some progress and look at every game since he took over. After a win against the Wizards, they fell a little flat-footed against the Heat. They come home, they beat the Heat. They take care of the shorthanded Sixers. Couldn't contend with Zion and B.I., so be it. That team is just otherworldly. 
they're going to beat a team like the Cavs with their three and four scoring options. I'll let you get into in a second, Chandler. Sorry. And you got the Pacers game. They fought their tails off. They lost to 13 by Utah, but still scoring 113 against one of the hottest teams in the league with nice. They Boston was shorthanded, but still they fought and they fought enough to get confident enough to beat the Nuggets and Spurs. And I think it's the Bickerstaff effect, man. I really love what I'm seeing. They're buying in. And this dude was he and David Fizd. I can't remember who's I think it was JB's wedding. Fizdale after JB took over, Fizdale was still in JB's wedding or vice versa or something. And that's my favorite thing because, you know, what? it didn't work out as comrades, as coaches. But they stuck together, and they knew it's bigger than basketball, and that's what I think JB is. He cares about the people he works with. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is actually – I didn't know that, and that's really neat. And that's something that I actually wanted to touch on is JB Bickerstaff, I believe – not not JB Bickerstaff. Woo, David Viz, Fizdale, I believe, is a free agent right now. I don't believe yes. he's anywhere. So, you know, that's someone that – Every player that's played for him has talked yeah, has talked super highly on him. I believe Dwayne Wade, it might have even been LeBron, spoke about him on TV, you know, talking about their time in Miami with him. And if, you know, if a player like that gives you some sort of praise, it means a lot. And, you know, it's hard for a coach to get praise from LeBron because of how smart he is at the game of basketball you know he's on a different level but David Fisdale being at Miami from 08 to 16 that's you know from 08 to 16 Miami was one of the best franchises in all of basketball yep for Memphis who was a dumpster fire in 16 17 you know that was at the start of the rebuild so he gets booted from there then he goes to New York who gets rid of people more than the Cleveland Browns (laughs) is still a very very good asset to have in your locker room. So I don't know if he would take a spot behind Bickerstaff because, you know, he was ahead of Bickerstaff, obviously. I don't know how that would work, but if they're good friends, that might, I, you know, you got to get, you got to get experience in that locker room, but obviously the experience like John Beeline didn't work, you know, Bickerstaff and Fisdale are kind of the same. You know, they they speak the same language as these players. They are they're integrated into like the culture these players are. John Beeline Beeline didn't know what these players did for fun. You know, they don't know that. Bickerstaff and Fisdale, you know, they're they're more quotation marks hip than Beeline. You know, yeah. they get the players. I think that could be a really cool matchup in Cleveland if he would agree to come here. And I do know, uh, closing on that note, uh, from what I read in The Athletic, uh, I was reading, trying to read more about JB shortly after he was hired. And Fisdale, he still called Fisdale at times for advice. And Fisdale would at times during that Memphis season call him, check in. And I know because Fisdale is still close with everybody. So I would love to see that happen. Uh, I'm not someone that generally looks at associate head coaching candidates uh, extensively, but I would enjoy definitely seeing him. And this, and you know, I, I've enjoyed JB as well. And lastly, on Fisdale, that is correct, Chandler. I do remember specifically watching LeBron and Wade both praise him. I know he's always a guru, and I mean, when your when your catch rate is take that for data, 
during the NBA playoffs, man, you got you got something working up there. You know, he's got he's got some good philosophies, and you know, if they can work together, it's rare to get a couple of forty somethings on an NBA staff. I'm, I couldn't honestly tell you who Ryan Saunders' associate head coach is. I'd guess that it's someone older, but he's only thirty three, kind of like Sean McVay with the Rams. But you can get a couple of younger guys that can relate to the game better because they're still. They're kind of more fresh with the era we're growing up, and that'll be great. But you know, we'll see. Yeah. And now, Chandler, to close things out, what do you think the Cavs need to prove, or what are they going to try and prove for the rest of the season going into free agency in the 2020-2021 season? So I think free agent-wise, I don't think they need to go out and spend any money. I you alluded to it earlier, a couple veterans, especially veteran point guards, but Honestly, you know, unless something dramatic happens, the Cavs draft whoever they do, and that player turns out to be, you know, right now a game changer. I think, you know, Matthew Delavadova, he he's beloved in Cleveland. He the locker room loves him. He's a still a good player. You know, that might be someone that you just you keep around. Obviously, he's going to be cheaper than what he's on now. That's but, right. There's a lot of games left on this schedule that are winnable, which kind of frightens me. You know, it looks about 50-50 winnable games. And I the Cavs need to be competitive and show that they can play. But at the same time, someone needs to, you know, relay the message that they still have to not win a ton of games. You gotta you gotta stay in contention for that top pick, I think, because Tanking sucks, and I truly do not think the Cavs are tanking. I think they're truly just that bad right now. But yep. lately, especially under Bickerstaff, you see the changes happening. It's so fun to watch. But I, you got to stay in contention for that top pick because it, you know you'll be stuck in that Detroit air where you're bad every year, but you have the eighth, ninth pick, and you never get that player to turn you up even more. And so you got to stay in that top five. Um, which I think they will, but you really just got to show that you are improving. You got to figure out what you're doing with Drummond and Tristan, you know, letting both of them walk would probably be a mistake, but really to, you know, finish out the season, you just want to see Sexton keep this going. Uh, I thought the sophomore slump would happen, but it didn't at all. You got to see, and then really all I want to see is Garland find his footing in the NBA, whether it's the last five games, you know, he averages 18, 19 points a game. That would be fantastic to see what you have to do in the draft. That's going to be huge. Right now, it obviously looks like you probably want, you know, a wing-type player to pair up with Kevin Porter out there. But that's really all I think the Cavs have to prove is, you know, find out what they need to do in the draft by, you know, players like Garland and finding his footing in the NBA. I can definitely get on board with that, and I'm hoping – I'll take a look, Channel. These are the upcoming free agents. you got Tristan. Drummond has a player option. Exum is owed $10 million next year, so hope to maybe move that at the deadline somehow. It's only 24. You got Zizic coming off the books, and then that's essentially it. Personally, out of all these guys, I hope re-sign Deli. Uh, we'll see what happens. It seems like Tristan will be gone if they bring back – 
Drummond. Maybe we'll have to see a sign and trade some in some way, shape, or form. Not sure what he's going to get. Osman's going to be pretty cheap for the next few years. Whatever role he's playing, we make it only eight million, which I think is a bargain. We'll get Windler back in the lineup. McKinney under contract, probably just as a uh, emergency blanket when you need someone to play a few minutes. But personally. I this is a pipe dream and this probably won't happen and this is not the kind of pipe dream you think. I'd love to see next season open with a starting five of similar of Kevin Love, Andre Drummond, Colin Porter, Colin KP, and I'd honestly love to see Delhi come back and start even if for a few games, even if he's only playing 15 minutes. I think the way he runs an offense, the way he kind of he doesn't back down. He reminds me of of a wide receiver jostling for position sometimes in the secondary. You watch him, the way he runs it, channel, he backs into his guy and he looks all around for cutters. I think it's a smart way to play that works, and obviously he's not going to use every possession. I just think his basketball IQ and the fact that it won't cost $10 million a year to retain him, give him a two- or three-year deal for maybe 12 to $18 million, somewhere in that realm. Although he's still he's 29. He's not exactly old, second-oldest guy in the team, however. would love to see that. And as far as the results, personally, I think they'll end up with the pick they're meant to end up with, whether or not they win one more game or 12 more games. I'd personally love to somehow see the Cavs go 11-6 and six in this final stretch and say forget about draft capital. I think they'll get someone good. They also got the two, dra- the two second rounders to package that they got for Clarkson. I think they can use to get an additional first rounder if they so choose. And I think there's enough talent. They'll find the right guy. And if they want, if they really do try to move Kevin Love hard, they can just use whatever pick they end up with if it ends up in the middle of the lottery instead of the top. So I want to see wins. I want to see results because all the losing they've done in the last six years without LeBron, the first three years without him, they won, I think it was 19, 21, and 23 games before finally winning 30-plus. And then last year they won 19. They tied that now. I'd love to see 11 and 6 down the stretch. I think 30 wins would mean a lot to a team that's so better and heavy with the young guys because I think they just need to know they can win because the more they lose now, then when it actually comes time to start winning, they may not understand the true essence of how to win. Yeah. So. Yeah, you definitely, you definitely want to instill the confidence in them to be able to get stuff done. But, you know, we'll see. And we take a look ahead at the Cavs' upcoming schedule, Chan. Let's do a quick win-loss. I'll run you through each game. You tell me if you think the Cavs are going to get the win. So, quick key or two. Cavs versus Hornets on Friday. Who's getting that W in Charlotte? Uh, Charlotte's going to get the win there. Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham are due for a big game. All right. Then we got the Hawks the very next night, 730 in Atlanta. Cavs win that one. Sexton is tired of hearing about Trey Young and nothing about him. Tired of it. Okay. I agree. I think the Cavs do beat the Hawks. They've had some interesting matchups this year. I think they're going to struggle to stop Kevin Herter at the end of the day. I think they're going to score 125 and just get enough stops. Okay. Game three. Cavs-Rockets in Houston Saturday, 8 Eastern time. You know – I'm going to go risky, and I'm going to say they win this one, and I'm going to say Andre Drummond and Kevin Love have big games. Real- love it. you know, Love it. I like that. And nice to dish, dish a little W to old pal Jeff Green. He hasn't been in Cleveland for long. And then we got Cleveland versus Orlando, a resurgent Michael Carter-Williams leading that bench unit with Terrence Ross right now. 
Yeah, I'm going to say Orlando gets that one. You know, they've been playing pretty well as of late. And, you know, that big win over uh, Houston got them some confidence. Surprisingly beating Memphis after trailing big last night. They're playing without Evan Fournier in addition to Isaac. So I'm very impressed with what they're doing. They're basically starting the worst shooter in the NBA, Wes Iwundu at shooting guard. No offense to him. Man's got no shot whatsoever. And they're still winning. So shout out to them. Look forward to them hopefully getting the seventh seed and not having to face the Bucks because they could be a fun first-round matchup. Okay, next, Cavs-Pacers, the first winning team the Cavs beat this season in just their second game of the season, going way back to when we beat Indiana. Pacers, I hate to say it, but they're playing in Indiana, and I love DeMontis Sabonis. He gets it done for him. Yeah, all-star from – from stretch four in OKC as a rookie to all-star just a few years later. It's really fun watching his growth. I agree with that one, Indiana. And before we go to the last game, I actually take the Cavs over Charlotte. I think they win by two or three. The Hornets always play down to their opponent's level, and in some cases up. You saw that with their overtime game against the Hawks. Terry hit eight threes, but they could not stop, could not stop and land it down the stretch. And the final game we'll look at, this is Tuesday, March 24th. Hopefully, the, this uh, virus situation is somewhat figured out and in check 13 days from now, so the Cavs would be able to have fans in there. They are playing Sacramento, who is in the heat of a playoff race. They have a game with New Orleans tonight that will decide a lot. I think the Cavs are going to struggle in this one. Yeah, I agree. I was trying to figure out their schedule. I can't, I don't, can't pull it up fast enough. But they're in the they're in the hunt for the playoff race. As long as they're not playing out west, you know, night or two before and having to come out here on the fly, I think they get that one done pretty pretty easily. Yep, and I think the Buddy Healed is that's going to be the day that Luke Walton realizes his mistake and starts playing him a little bit more. <laughs> no disrespect to to Bays or Bogdan, but I think the Buddy Healed is still better than both of them. And I think that they have a weird off season coming. But that's for across the Kings when that comes to be. That's not for us. Yeah. Um, but I, too, have the Kings. I also think that Rashawn Holmes is going to feast on Drummond that day. No, I just, some days Dre has it, some days he doesn't. I think Rashawn Holmes is an energy guy that gets slept on a little too much. He was good as a backup in Philly in his third year there, finally. He showed good energy on the Suns last year as soon as Tyson Chandler forced his way to L.A., and I think Rashawn Holmes might be the most under, one of the one of the more underrated centers right now. Remember, they signed Dwayne Dedman to a thirteen million a year contract, and by the tenth game, Rashawn Holmes making three million this year took his starting job. Also new to the team, so that's why I think Drummond will struggle. Bowling Green legend Rashawn Holmes. That's right, man. The <laughs> Ohio native, and you know that's why. That's also why he's coming back home to Ohio. And whether or not his family is able to watch him in attendance or on television that night, you know he's going to be repping 22 and trying to challenge challenge Larry for best 22 in the house that night. Yep, I agree. And so last thing I want to do, wish a happy birthday shout-out to Cedric Henderson. He's got the RT. Shout-out to Cedric Henderson. Turns 45 years old today and wasn't – Old enough, I was only two and three when he was in his best days. Chandler, second-round pick of the Cavs in 1997. You don't see second-round picks play 30 minutes in each of their first two years. He was solid. Now his son, Cedric Jr., playing for Campbell University, where he's putting up 20 points on the nightly. So, Woo. HBD to said hend. Yeah, that's not bad at all. 
No, maybe we'll see him on the Cavs. You know, second round pick, the next undrafted Delhi in a few years. You never know. Yeah, like they it. come from all over. Yeah, they do. That it seems like anymore in today's game, some of the best players are coming in the. You never heard of them. Kawhi Leonard, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Siakam. You know, these are players. They're not. They're not the Zion's of the world, where they're on every social media outlet. You know, they're they're just coming out of yep. nowhere. Last thing I'll say before we say goodbye, I remember watching Celtics versus Raptors four years ago. This was Siakam's rookie season. He was starting at this point. He wasn't playing a lot, but he was still starting. I think this is when Serge was the backup four. They were doing things a little different. Or I'm not sure who – no, it was Patrick Patterson. I'm sorry. Serge was – I'm not sure. I don't think Serge was there yet. Anyway, <laughs> I remember watching him. He was pretty raw. He had showed some good speed. He only played about 15 minutes, but now here he is, all NBA. And, you know, you got, you got some guys like that. No one heard of Nikola Jokic. No one expected much from Draymond Green or Chris Middleton, who, by the way, was the throw-in in the Brandon for Brandon Jennings night swap, and he turned out to be the best player in the trade. So they come – they come from all over. But. Gosh. That's so crazy. It's it's awesome, those stories, though, when you don't, you know, these players think they might never even make it to the league, and then now they're, you know, the best three-point shooter in the NBA. That's right. And you never know. We could see some of the guys, the young guys the Cavs have had, the Malik Newmans, the Matt Mooney's, the Marcus Boldens, the J.P. McCurras, maybe one of them next season. All you need is an opportunity. I mean, last, last thing here. Remember Andre Ingram with the Lakers? 10 years in the G League, waiting, waiting. <laughs> then he makes, what, five, six threes in his NBA debut at 34 years old. Yep. Absolutely insane. That was the coolest story of last basketball season by far. And maybe the Cavs bring him in as a mentor next season. Anything <laughs> is possible. And, you know, the the, the kids, the, the players have kids. They need a math tutor. This guy's been a <laughs> math teacher and basketball player. He could be the first ever shooting coach slash math tutor for the kids that the nba has ever seen why not you know i love it i love it you got to be innovative you got to be innovative that's right and so he is chandler adams the founder of atv and cleveland sports enthusiast and that'll do it for this edition of across the Cavs. i am zach weiss catch us on twitter at across Cavs. and for chandler adams i am zach weiss saying so long and Let's go Cavs. Be the fight. <laughs> A few days to wait for the next game, but 